Welcome to what is arguably the biggest episode, the most important episode of the Hypnotoad podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. It's your friend, it's your co-pilot, it's your buddy on the couch next to you ribbing you after Michigan threw yet another pick six. It's Andrew Zimmel hanging out, making sure you know what you need to know going into this national championship. Here's our React podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you go subscribe, rate, review, do all of those things to continue to make the podcast successful, even more successful than you already have made it. I want to thank you guys for that. You can follow them on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Zimmel. Let's get into it. A 51-45 win against the Michigan Wolverines. Now, a lot went into this. If you listen to the preview podcast, essentially, Zimmel Domus laid it all out for you. Me and Joe Gillespie, the defensive coordinator for uh, TCU, we set the game plan up for you. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> I have a telepathy connection, telepathic connection with a defensive coordinator. We talk in our sleep, okay? We know. We told you what was going to happen. Michigan came in thinking a 3-3-5 defense. They'd run all over it. Smash mouth football. Okay, they said that. They said, well, we play a Big Ten schedule. It's smash mouth. Knowing that you give your opponent bulletin board material, let alone an opponent like TCU, let alone a head coach like Sonny Dykes, you're going to give those guys bulletin board material? That's what Michigan did. Play with the bull, get the horns. Play with the frogs, get their defense. Now, we got to start from the beginning because I will be honest, I was sweating bullets when the first play from the line of scrimmage is a 54-yard rush from Donovan Edwards to put Michigan in striking distance. And I thought to myself, you know, if Michigan wants to get into a boat race, if they want to go up and down the field with TCU, let them. Because this defense for TCU, I thought it would be good enough to force some punts later in the second, third quarter. But I knew the offense I had no trouble with. If Ohio State can put points up on the board on Michigan, if Penn State and Purdue can put points on the board against Michigan. I thought and I knew in my heart that TCU could put points up against Michigan. That's not where I was concerned. The 3-3-5 defense worked exactly how you would think it would work. They shut down the passing game. We said it. Give J.J. McCarthy the ball. Make him throw it. If Michigan wants to throw the ball, let him because the defense is too good to let him get any big yards. There's not going to be a ton of big plays. Now, granted, Granted, there were a little bit more passes completed, 30-plus yards, than I would have liked from the Michigan offense, and that's something that TC is going to have to clean up going into the national championship against Georgia. You can't make a mistake against the defending national champions. You can make mistakes against Michigan, which TCU, let's be honest, they had a couple, okay? Had a, had a turnover on an interception from Nax Duggan. He had two picks. Both of them, I think, more on the receiver than on Mad Max. But hey, that's fine. You know, you 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 make you can make mistakes against a Michigan team that made plenty of mistakes. Because, like I said, Donovan Edwards starts this game for the Wolverines, chewing up the defense. A 54-yard run right from the line of scrimmage goes right down the gut of the defense, gets him in striking distance. And I thought, okay, Michigan gets the ball to start the game. They're going to put points on the board first. They're going to put the ball into TCU's side of the court. They're going to say, all right, we went down the field and scored. Now it's your turn. And I thought to myself, okay, this is going to be a high-scoring game, which it ended up being. But this is where reading your own press clippings can be your demise. This is where little navel-gazing on Michigan's part can be your demise. Because if you would have said to me 
a Philly special in the first half from Michigan. I'd say, okay, they're trying to score to end the half, maybe. Try to get some extra points on the board. If you told me there was going to be a Philly special type play, a trick play, a double end around, quarterback goes out as a receiver type play in the first quarter, I would say, well, maybe somebody got hurt. Maybe they have a, a special package. Michigan's just trying to, maybe they're down by a lot trying to put some points on the board. If you're telling me that's the first offensive drive of the Fiesta Bowl, when you got the ball first, every coach will tell you, conventional wisdom says, take the points. And on fourth and goal, from about the six, I thought to myself, okay, Michigan's going to kick the field goal. They take a timeout, bring the offense back on. I said, are they going to try to get TCU to jump? No. They ran a trick play against the TCU defense. Are you serious right now? Are you serious right now? And it didn't work out. Michigan doesn't put any points on the board. TCU ends up punting and then scoring on the next play, a 41-yard interception return for a touchdown off J.J. McCarthy. Shout out to our guy who is in the running for the MVP of this game, Bud Clark. A pick six, 41 yards to put TCU on the board first, a 7-0 lead early in the first quarter, and TCU never looked back. The Horned Frogs never trailed in the Fiesta Bowl. Let me say that one more time in case you missed it. TCU, the team that everybody was talking about as the underdog, even though they were the three seed, people were putting Ohio State over them when they said who has the best players, who has the best chance to play in the national championship. TCU was voted fourth out of four teams almost every single time. You listen to the game broadcast. I don't know what was going on with the, the guys calling the game, I've never heard such a pro-Big Ten broadcast off of the Big Ten network in my life. It felt like TCU was a high school team of all-stars going against the national champions, which was not the case. This was a TCU team that played an excellent Big 12 schedule. This was a TCU team that made a mistake in the Big 12 championship that cost them a trophy to end the season. They get into the Final Four. And I want to say this, unlike the other three teams, unlike Kirby Smart's Georgia Bulldogs, unlike John, Jim Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines, clearly, and unlike Ryan Day's Ohio State Buckeyes, I think the Sonny Dykes TCU Horned Frogs actually watched film. <laughs> I think they actually spent the last month preparing a game plan. If you look at the first 20 plays from Michigan, because this is what we were worried about. The first 20 plays for Michigan, about 13 of them were designed run plays. TCU was able to shut that down immediately. We said, hey, if TCU can stop the run, they have a chance to win this game. Let me rephrase that. I said that if TCU can stop the run, they have a chance to win this game. If you listen to anybody else, you would think that TCU was going to lose by two touchdowns. I saw guys picking earlier this week that the Horned Frogs were going to lose 21-0. 35-7 to seven. wasn't the case. Was not the case. A lot of reasons for that. The defense stood up. Yeah, 3-5. Shout out Joe Gillespie. Shout out to that defense. I got pressure on J.J. McCarthy. Part of it was on the Michigan team. Look, I want to give TCU all the credit in the world. I want to say that TCU was the better team from whistle to whistle. I want to say that there wasn't a chance in hell that TCU was going to lose this game. But there was. There was a chance. Two interceptions. Michigan was able to score 39 points in the second half. 
They had the ball last, a chance to go down the field, down six to win the game. There was a chance that TCU lost that game. But you know the big difference maker in this game? The biggest difference in this game was Max Duggan versus J.J. McCarthy. The biggest difference in this game is that Max Duggan was a Heisman finalist who led an unranked preseason team to this point versus Michigan, who's a blue blood, who thought they deserved to be there, right? There's a difference. TCU earned a chance in the playoffs. Michigan thought they deserved a chance at the playoffs. And you could tell on the field. You could see the way the guys were playing, okay? You, you, you just watched the game from front end to back end, and you can see that TCU's players, TCU's coaches, they were more invested, they were more involved. Now, Michigan, all credit in the world. The Wolverines did not roll over and die. I think I would have rolled over and died if my coach ran me out there to kick a field goal down 18. To end the half, TCU's leading 21-3 to with a chance to go up early in the second half, getting the ball first. Michigan's driving to end the, se- the first half. With five seconds left, they decide to attempt a 56-yarder. Now, granted, they connected. They put points on the board. But if I'm a Michigan fan, I'm thinking to myself, where's the aggressiveness? The first drive, the first plays of this game, we had a 54-yard run, and we ran a Philly special-type play to try to put, score a touchdown to start this game, to throw a knockout punch in the first quarter. And we're kicking field goals to end the half? I'll take it. As a TCU guy, I'll take it. Okay? You want to put three points on the board to end the half? Fine by me. TCU did not trail at any point in this game, which is indicative of the type of team this is. And Sonny Dyke said it. You saw it twice. Max Duggan had two rushing touchdowns in this game. Both situations, he could have handed the ball off to a running back. He could have given it to somebody else. He didn't. He put the ball in his baller's hands. He kept the ball in Duggan's hands. On the game broadcast, they were talking about Dykes maybe misplaying the Big 12 championship. Now, I said on this podcast, I told you guys, I thought they might have misplayed it as well. That Sonny Dykes should have kept the ball in Duggan's hands. You're a Heisman finalist. It's your senior season. You figure it out. You have a chance to win this game for us. You don't take the ball out of your baller's hands. He didn't in this game. He gave Duggan the keys to the car. He let him drive. And boy, oh boy, was he flying down the interstate. There was plays where you feel pressure from the backside. He's able to step up. There was plays where the guy's immediately is faced from the blitz, and he's connecting with receivers. Now, granted, of all facets of the game, all facets of the offensive game, I'd give the offensive line an A-. minus. I'd give Duggan an A. I would give the wide receiver core a B-. minus. The wide receivers in this game did not help TCU out nearly enough. And I think that's going to be something that's going to have to be corrected in the national championship. If TCU wants to win the national championship and bring back the trophy for the first time since 1938, what needs to happen? Well, we'll talk about it next week. Okay, We'll, we'll give you an in-depth breakdown of what's happening later this week, I should say, before the championship. We'll, we'll give you X's and O's, matchups, all that good stuff. But I'll tell you one thing that needs to change is the wide receivers all need to get on the same page. Because there's only one wide receiver who actually did something that deserves a little bit of respect here. There's one thing that I thought really caught my eye, and that was uh, the Quinn Johnston play in the fourth quarter. Let me set the scene. Third and seven from the TCU 24 with 13 minutes left in the game. 
At this point, it's a three-point game. TCU's leading. I'm thinking to myself, this is it. Blitz comes. Duggan shifts, able to connect with Johnston immediately, and that ends up with a 76-yard touchdown, which was essentially the deciding point in this game. When TCU went up 48-38, to that is when I could finally unclench my butt cheeks a little bit and just relax and enjoy the game. Because for the most part, when TCU went up 21-3, to I was like, okay, I can feel, feel pretty confident. Michigan came roaring back in that second half, scored, I think, 24 points. That's when I was a little bit unconcerned in that quarter where both teams combined for 44 points. That's where I was uh, a little bit concerned that the TCU defense might have uh, left themselves in the locker room. But they got it done. And Johnson had over 100 yards receiving. And the running game had over 100 yards rushing. And there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of great film that's on the table now for TCU to watch to try to recreate against Georgia. The other thing I want to mention here is Garrett Riley. We mentioned Gillespie in the first half of the podcast talking about the defense. I want to mention Garrett Riley here because if he's in Fort Worth next year, that's a blessing. If he's not, then it's very earned that he is a head coach somewhere else. I don't think he's going to take a coordinator job anywhere else in the country. I think that Sonny Dyke's staff this year might go down in history as one of the best single-season staffs because Gillespie might go, Garrett Riley might go, Big reason for that. Here is the first plays of the first the first half drives, I should say, that led to touchdowns for TCU. The first one was, of course, the pick six from uh, Bud Clark. So, okay, that's a one-play pick six. 12-play touchdown drive. 10-play touchdown drive. They left 21-6 to going into halftime. And that's what I, I really liked out of TCU. I really liked the sustained drives that they were able to create, sustained drives that were able to kind of chew up some time in that first half. The one thing I wish they could have done in the second half is slow down a little bit. There was, you know, you can't take away 64-yard rushes. You can't take away 76-yard touchdown passes. You 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 take those as they come. But I wish that there was a way that TCU's offense slowed down just a little bit. You know, you don't want to say take your foot off the gas, stop pushing the ball down the field. But if you can get 10 play, 12 play drives, to eat up the clock, eat up the quarters, that is how you're going to beat a team like Georgia. You're not going to beat a team like Georgia by trying to go up and down the field on them. It's going to have to be meticulous. It's going to have to be a little smash-mouth football. Now, again, we can, we're can we talking about Georgia later this week. We have a lot to get into with the game preview for the national championship. That's going to be played Monday, January 9th. 6.30 Central at SoFi Stadium, just 10 minutes away from Hollywood. War, 35 minutes away with Hollywood traffic. It's going to be one of the best games, I think. There's years where Notre Dame ends up in the playoffs and gets clubbed by Clemson. There's years that Cincinnati ends up in the playoffs and gets clubbed by Georgia. Okay, that, that happens. This is the first year in my memory that the playoffs felt like an actual playoff field. That Georgia against Ohio State, maybe it's because Ohio State has the dogs. It feels like Georgia's gettable. It feels like the dogs are beatable. And if TCU plays the way that they played against Michigan, they are beatable. I think that TCU team yesterday could beat any team in the country. You just got to stay with the game plan. The game plan is going to be very similar. I loved it. I love that they were able to execute. I called a couple of my friends that are Michigan fans I'm not one of those people that dances on graves. I do that on the podcast. 
I do that for our entertainment, guys. I will I will dance on any Michigan fan's tear. I'll drink any Michigan fan's tears. I will dance on the graves of the 2022-23 Michigan season anytime, anywhere. But when I call my friends, they all had the same thing. They said TCU was a lot better than we thought. I thought TCU's defense was going to be a little weaker. I didn't think Max Duggan was going to be this good. Now, I said this earlier. The difference between this a win and a loss is Duggan. That's why he's my game MVP. 225 yards passing, two touchdowns, 57 yards rushing, four rushing touchdowns as well. So four total touchdowns for number 15 runner-up in the Heisman race. He, to me, is the MVP of this game. Because I think that the difference between Duggan and J.J. McCarthy was the difference in a win and a loss. If Duggan played the way that McCarthy played and threw two pick sixes, TCU doesn't win this game. Now, we're going to wrap it up here. I'm more than excited. Like I, I'm still giddy from last night, which is not something that I usually am after a sporting event. National Championship is coming up Monday, January 9th. Georgia Bulldogs, SoFi Stadium in Hollywood. We're going to give you a complete game breakdown. We'll give you the X's and O's. We'll give you the matchups. We'll see. I'll tell you what I liked out of Georgia in that Ohio State win where the Buckeyes probably should have won that game. If everything is uh, equal, if those two teams play 100 times, Ohio State might win 50 of them, which means TCU has a good shot of winning. TCU fans, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, supporting the podcast, supporting this team as they try to accomplish something that no other TCU team has done. They are the first team from the Big 12, the first team from the Big 12 to win a playoff game. They have the chance to be the first Big 12 team to win the national championship since Texas in 05. Think about that. That's insane. That's crazy. Thank you guys for listening to the Hypnotoad podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast, And be ready for January 9th when TCU has a chance to hoist the title and win their first national championship since 1938. I'll see you guys later this week with a full game preview against the Georgia Bulldogs. Boy, I'm never going to get tired of saying that. I'll talk to you guys later this week.